the hype train is and we're like oh my god this is terrible we're uh, so good can we just stop that crap Ireland could win the World Cup let's be honest oh Shane I could no why are we so afraid no. of this OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app we're turning our attention to hurling and I'm delighted to say Anthony Nash is with us to uh, talk to us about this weekend's games and just generally the league itself Anthony good afternoon to you how are you getting on great stuff thanks you're great to have you great to be here um I think people were a little bit maybe taken aback by the fact that so many people showed up last weekend and then the games were more interesting and more intense than maybe we had anticipated. Has the demise of the Allianz National Hurling League been slightly exaggerated? Um, yeah, like I suppose people are starving for hurling. Like for last year, it was the talk about the split season and uh, how that needed to change and, you know, the whole calendar thing. And this year it seems to be, as you said, the demise of the league, which I'm not so sure of um, in a way. Like, but... Like I was actually down the park last week, 20,000 people filled in, um, the atmosphere fantastic and like both sets of players went at it, you know, as close to championship pace as they possibly could like, but um, the thing that I find about the league is that like you can't compare the two competitions, uh, that's that's the main thing for me anyway, because you're never going to be able to compare anything other in the middle, but I thought last weekend was a great spectacle, especially down here anyway. Yeah, I, and I think in advance we were all kind of going, well, look, nothing really matters on the basis of last year's league when we were slightly lulled into the form of a couple of teams <laughs> in particular and then they underperformed with the championship game. But that's not really what it's about, is it? If you're, you know, each of these teams will have their own criteria for what a successful league looks like. You just have to summing it up there perfectly. Like it's, every team has a different idea and what they need from it. Does John Coyley have to have his team winning the league this year to prove that they're the best team in Ireland? He doesn't. So like last year, I think everyone found out at the end that they trained through the league. Their performances were shadowed by the intensity of their training sessions going through it. And then they obviously peaked at the right time of year. Um, that's not to say that Waterford winning the league didn't mean they were training through it. Like, But it's just, there is a difference between the timings. Um, you know, like teams, some teams that are like new managers now this year, there's a lot of new managers. They'll want to perform well in the league, get supporters behind them, get the players support behind them as well, just to prove that their game plan, whatever way they're going with it, is going to be uh, the right one for championship. But then on the flip side of that, like you've got the likes of John who is just going to use those games. And I think even last weekend, you could see players that he was just delighted to get game time under the belt. Yeah, and so... I've been wondering about this and we kind of began this conversation with Tommy Walsh a couple of weeks ago just before it started about like is it possible that you can find yourself in a slump in the league and that begin to creep into your championship preparation if for example you were putting your chips in and saying you want a league where you are going to go after some silverware and you want to get some you know your breeding and winning culture and that went off the rails then maybe that might be the case but there's very few teams who are probably approaching it that way yeah, it was actually like in 2013, we were in the relegation final against Clare and both teams ended up in the All-Ireland final. And what I found that year was that we were very competitive in every game. We only lost the game by two or three points or whatever like that if we did lose a game. So like we got out of the league what we needed. Now, every day you go as a player, like I could play against you in FIFA and I'm going to be as determined to beat you at that at any other sport. Like, so the human nature and the instinct and the, the adrenaline kicks in, like, you know, when you're on the field. But it's for me, the biggest the biggest influence here is the, is the approach from managers. The players themselves, when they're put in the field, are going to give it 100%. No, they're not after, obviously, championship fitness, but like it goes back to the calendar again. Like Currently, I'm involved with UL there in the fits. Like, we'd have six, six, seven different counties represented last night who were going out to play again at the weekend. Sure, the managers might be looking over their shoulders saying, try and rest them. No. So it's 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 that kind of message that's being sent through as well of the changing of teams and the use of the league is what they are. But like going back to your slump, like we weren't winning games and obviously ending up in the relegation final in 13, but it didn't take any confidence away from us because it was performances we were chasing in the league rather than the results, you know. And was there a conversation about losing the games 
not being important that actually your own individual uh, how did how did the management kind of make sure that that didn't have any psychological hangover I kind of laugh at this like because like I guarantee you no matter even with Liam Cahill winning the league last year or any other manager that didn't win the league last year you're going to get the same speech inside the dressing room after so well that's the league over no lads we'll, we'll take a break and we're going to come back at it for championship you know whether you have a league title or no league title so like that same conversation happens in most dressing rooms where, right, look, the league is done. It was what it was. We'll take the learnings from it. And now we're pushing ahead. So whether you win it, lose it, relegate it, promote it, you park the league like and then you push on, you know. Um, and the big thing for me is just how do you incentivize it more? If like, again, I'll go back to my earlier statement. You're never going to be able to compare an All-Ireland and league. You Like I know Anthony Daly came out saying that like, you know, 10, 10 All-Ireland medals or 10 league medals or whatever he said, like, but like in a way, he he's justifying that it is correct that the league isn't as important anymore. But it would never was as important as a championship and never will be. But how can we incentivize it that managers maybe can have the opportunity to put out their best teams more often? Or else we just accept that this is essentially the preseason and it's it's a really good preseason. And twenty thousand people last week roaring on in the final few minutes in Parque Cueve is a pretty phenomenal representation of the desire of people to see top quality intercounty hurling. And it was top quality, like to be fair to them. Like like my argument again earlier was that like the players on the field like mentally are going hundred percent. Physically they're not there yet, obviously, because of the, the training plan that they're on and they could be in a training block as well. Um my my only thing I would say was could we lengthen that league like as in like, you know, with all due respects to the to the Waterford Crystals or the McGrath Cups or whatever they are now, like the co op stores, like, you know, like they're used for challenge matches. Could you allow managers play the challenge matches and, and prepare for a league that might start maybe two weeks earlier? and then give the gap to the Fitzgibbon in the middle of that where players aren't being pulled left, right and centre. Um, it's probably the only way I could look at maybe giving less pressure to managers of minding players and justifying, you know, arresting them. But Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like it, it's something that I feel that is is something that needs to be maybe looked at just a little bit because so like at the, the end of the day, the league, the league, is, the league is important, like, you know. So, uh, come back first week of January, start the league, have a break between the league and the championship and in that play yeah. the third the third level competitions. Well, you could actually even do it in the middle of the league. Like so for example, no next weekend, right? The Fitzgibbon weekend is on Thursday and Saturday, okay? So there's a gap week there for the hurling league, which means the players can go and perform and play for their colleges. But like if you had let's say two week earlier again, you could do that more often. Oh, yeah. Every time there's a Fitzgibbon game on that there wouldn't be a hurling league that weekend that therefore the managers wouldn't be as under pressure then to be resting players, minding players. Because if you look at the stats nowadays, between I'm a teacher, like teachers and students probably dominate the the um, the players in the panels. It's It's gone so young because it's gone so full time that students are actually dominating a lot of panels and numbers and stuff. So it's just that's what I would kind of look at. And then that would take the pressure of the league. Like we should be trying to promote this. You know, we should be trying to like, I, I'm a big believer in incentivizing it like for managers and players like to win it. Um, how you do that then is a different conversation but like we can never put it on par of a championship and I don't think we should ever compare it to that Everybody likes a holiday right you know you could easily get yeah. holiday vouchers for the winners that's, that's what I'm wondering like you know it's something like that like and I know I know you're going to have people listening in ah don't you get looked after well enough you know you get your tracksuits and you get your food after training but at the end of the day like it's it's about making that competition better for spectators too yeah. you know making the players really want to put their bodies in the line you know and like you have to understand there at no stage in the league does a player go ah this is only the league I'm not going for that but it's just their training block could be altered then where when it's a Fitzgibbon weekend anyone that's not playing Fitzgibbon could be training harder that week because they have a gap week as well so therefore they're fresher going into the league games the following weekend Yeah, I look that all makes uh, a lot of sense and so therefore it'll never happen Anthony we all, we all know that, uh, <laughs> the disease exactly, of yeah. common sense uh, <laughs> yeah. can, can I ask you about Cork then um, the, mm. the desire and 
the atmosphere that you talked about in, in Parky Cueve last weekend, like uh, it, it seemed to signify something. It certainly signifies that this team and, and the Cork Hurling public are, are still unified anyway. So are you, are you drawing any conclusions from it? Are you, are you, is it just these are positive indicators and that's all it is? Yeah, like I, I laughed there, I think it was last year, the year before Cork won the first league game and you'd see on Twitter in booking the Burlington for all Ireland final night, you know what I mean? Like we tend to start well in the league down here. And the difference this year um, to any other year is I feel that Pat Ryan brought a group of young fellas to two under 20 All-Irelands um, and he's after bringing a good bunch of them in. I think that the county are a little bit more patient now. I think they're patient with hope. Uh, hoping for green shoots to come up, that some two or three players might come up that we mightn't have expected yet. Um, but having Pat there and having the knowledge that he has dealt with these young fellas before and got great success with them, I think that there's a lot of positivity around Cork. Look, it, whether it happens this year or not, you know, I, I think for the first time ever, Cork, pay, Cork patrons and Cork supporters, once they see honesty of effort and, you know, good, hard hurling um, with, with spirit, uh, I think they'll be happy enough with that in this year. And then hopefully, you know, carrying it through to another year or two time like but you know I, I think I, there was definitely a lot of positivity especially in the second half the last day um, you know the crowd got really behind them and stuff like that and there was a lot of new young fellas blooded in as well that performed very well so I think there's a bit more patience there this year yeah I know I know again it, it's only the league and there, as we've obviously been a pains to point out they're separate competitions but if if it had like continued so it's double scores at half time for, for people who mm. weren't watching 16-8 and if the second half had been a blowout from a Limerick team that was missing three or four of their starters then it might have been more difficult for the crowd to be patient and for that patience to continue, which is why these things don't matter, but they're actually important, if I've phrased that correctly. You, you, 100%. Absolutely. Like, see, the thing is, I go back to 13 again. We never got hammered. I can't remember any. Maybe we didn't know, but I don't think we ever got hammered in any league games. So we actually had the confidence of being in games. So if you would have come out, as you said, and next thing that score had extended, like, then you'd be going away. Manager would be pulling their hair out, wondering what the hell has gone on and off, and, like, you'd be kind of bounced back. But the fact that they bounced back in the second half, um, you know, and in the manner they did, like, it, again, it, like, if you spoke to any, like, I was speaking to people about, they were just happy that the intensity was upped in the second half. I think if Limerick had even gone on to win by two or three points, once Cork's second half had shown a lot more intensity and, you know, forward hurling, which they did in the second half, I think the Cork fans would have been delighted with that. It was just a manner of a little bit like old same in the first half, um, you know, where there was a lot of static ball going backwards and then, you know, the deliveries into the forwards weren't coming in as regularly as we like and uh, maybe the tackle counters wasn't the same. But then the second half, all that seemed to change and shift and, and uh, the momentum and obviously the goals in as well um, were, were key to it. But like you had some very good individual performances throughout, which I think would be the main thing for Pat. No, losing Robbie was a big thing. Like, but um, but I'd agree 100. If it was a hammering, and if they continued on like they did in the first half, they'd be pulling their hair out. Yeah. The uh, the tackle count was was uh, 26 in the first half and 42 in the second. Yeah. So it's a massive yeah. jump forward. Yeah. How does that happen? Um, do you know what I think it's just attitude I think it goes down to attitude and sometimes like I always believe I'm massive into structuring games and stuff like that and any team I'm involved with try and bring that in it's actually if you're set up well you're in a position to tackle rather than you know chasing empty shadows like no better team than Limerick to make you look like a fool by playing triangle hurling around you but if you're able to get your players your, your wing forwards back into the middle third your midfielders hunting in the middle third then as well and that's where the tackles are mainly happening nowadays in hurling and I think Cork did that like I thought their half hurling crashed into midfield very well um, you know and the midfield partnership I thought like Luke Mead covered the world the ground Brian O'Sullivan while he was on the field was so busy as well so I think it was actually their positioning of their players in the second half that allowed them to get those tackles in that obviously added up the numbers Yeah because 
didn't go out in the first half to like show less effort. It's just that, yeah. so it's actually, it's as much a tactical tweak in some ways as a, oh, go out and work harder. Like, like 100%. Like, if you look at Brian Cody over the years, people talk about Brian Cody didn't have tactics and they said rubbish. He was one of the first managers I ever came across that at half time would whip his half hour line out to the middle field try and create the space inside and while doing that then you'd be inside in the middle third absolutely battling with a Kilkenny team that you know the Kilkenny are known for the hardest working team in the country so like it's actually the positioning your players actually makes a key because the willingness is there I said that to you before at the start like the mindset is there for each player to be able to do it their bodies mightn't be peaked for championship yet but if they're in the right position to get a tackle in there's no player going out there trying to avoid a tackle um, and I thought that's what Cork brought immensely in the second half you know Yeah and um, that that is interesting though that you've got to be in a position to to allow your team mm. to perform because I'd say a lot of people think when they'll see the, the raw stats afterwards going well there was no effort in the first half there was effort in the second half but yeah. actually you yeah. know there's, there's cause and effect there which I think we're, we're beginning to understand more the more we watch this the the, the question of Limerick right is one I wanted to, to just mm. touch on briefly here when Dublin were dominating everybody in the country needed to make a plan to stop the dubs but ultimately it turned out nobody could when Limerick are dominating if you're managing a senior inter-county team and you have ambitions, do you have to, at some level, do you have to have a plan that is addressing what Limerick is doing? Or, or are we still in an era where it's actually okay to largely focus on yourself and hope that your best 15, with whatever style of play you have, with whatever philosophy you have, is going to be able to overcome what they're doing? Um, no, I think you have to look at Limerick. You can't be, like, the one thing you can't do is obviously just focus on them because... Like a team could win in All Ireland without playing Limerick in this, you know what I mean? Like or without beating Limerick. If it's a Munster team, you could lose to them in Munster, but some other team could beat them in a semi final. Um, a Leinster team could win in All Ireland without even playing Limerick, you know what I mean? So it's not that you can be solely focused on one team, but when you do come up against them, things have to change. Like that, too many teams out there have like six foot five. Uh, you know, athletes that are just covering ground and then on top of it have exceptional skill levels on top of it all, like, you know. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing I ever faced, and it's not just a goalkeeper thing, it's a team thing. I think they're the best team I've ever come across to set up for defensive puckouts. Um, and when you're off the ball, like people think about off the ball when you're when you're chasing it like that, they see this as an opportunity. They see it as an opportunity to get the ball back other teams see it as work ethic and dispossessing. They see this as an opportunity. You know, um, if another team has it, that's an opportunity for us to turn them over while they're out of their shape. So if you understand like that, if a if a wing forward gets a puck out and the wing back pushes up on his team, you know, from his own team, I mean, like up the field, he's out of position, you dispossess them then, and next thing all of a sudden, the opposition's back line is out of place. So when they get a turnover, the other team are actually in disarray because they're on the ball before Limerick get it back, you know, and they're on an attacking platform. Like I actually could compare them to, I think they're one of the best counter-attacking teams I've ever seen. And I know, I know people might be going, oh, what's this soccer comparison rubbish? They defend in huge numbers and then they just spring and break in, you know, in speed, in accuracy, in power. And then they've got the two inside in Galan and Flanagan who just kept keep the depth. So they're actually not, they're not lulling you into sense security, but like they're getting the ball off you when you least want to lose it, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Barcelona. Pep's Barcelona, yeah, the original like, yeah, one. That you like exactly like you're go- like see like Carker playing Limerick in the morning. Carker on the attack, you're obviously sending extra bodies up the field with the ball. Next thing there's a turnover, two quick passes, and your defense is out of shape. And that's when you're at your weakest, like when you're on the ball, and which is the right way to be in hurling because you're trying to go forward and get your score. But when you're turned over at the incorrect time, and Limerick have their structure so well, like they kill space, their backline holds, their midfielder protect, their half forward and protect the midfield. And next thing you're inside in a place where there's no space and there's no breed, there's no air to breathe inside there, and then they break. 
But like, how do you beat it? You know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I think I thought I heard Dave saying that he has ideas of how to beat Limerick or something like that. Not he said in a Sunday game or something. Like that. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, like, it, it's if if I was able to tell you how to beat them, like, then I'm sure someone would have picked up the phone to me and asked me to manage their county. Like, but you have to have the perfect game and hope that they're off. You know, that's what I feel at the moment, and I don't see it any other way this year. Uh, in fairness, he's trying. You know, he's like many people mm-hmm. have uh, on on the bar stool of like, oh, you could do this, this, and this. Um, but mm-hmm. we will get to to see in in the real environment exactly what that looks like in uh, in championship and sooner oh. sooner rather than later. I, I listen. It's brilliant. Listen, it, for the likes of him, I, I've said this before. I'm delighted he's back in the game. Like you know, I know there's people out there from outside of Clare that wouldn't like him and stuff like that. But I think it's brilliant for the game, and I am looking forward to seeing what he does because he is that type of manager that will be willing and will have the confidence in himself to back a new plan against them. Um, you know, um, but like it, you know, we're talking about Limerick as if like we're hopeful of stopping. We always have to enjoy what they're doing. They're oh, an exceptional yeah. bunch of players. You know, they're just like that Dublin team in football. Uh, this Limerick team and hurling like while I hated playing against them, and you know, you know, you you kind of feel the pain of their puck out setup more than anyone else like they're, they're, um, what they've done is, is an incredible achievement So you, you said there that their their defensive puck out was um, I don't know mm. was it the best you've seen but what, what specifically yeah. was it that was so amazing about it? They're t- they zone they zone like they don't like they don't you know they hand off the players exceptionally well and they zone didn't like so they cut out the space for the low puck out into their half back line and they either make you go short to your full back line or a very risky one into the middle third or else you go long and high. And remember, you're going long and high and potentially Dan Morrissey, Declan Han and Kyle Hayes, Dermot Burns, whoever's there. So you're pucking a long high ball down top of a six foot four or five hurler who was able to hurl as well. And then off they go with their counter attack again. Um, and this year we played against the Piercy with So Liberties and they, they adopted a similar setup. And like obviously the similarity between the two was Will O'Donoghue. So every time I looked up to hit a puck out, <coughs> excuse me, uh, he was there with his hand up and hurled up. And by being in the position he was in, he was cutting out an option for a puck out, uh, you know, by just being in the correct position at the right time. And they, they turn over opposition's puck outs more than opposition win their own puck outs. So uh, what should be an advantage for you, which, you know... Exactly. You feel exactly. you feel good about life. We have possession. It's our turn to be on the on the offensive here, and they're like, no thanks. Um, and then on t- on top of that, anytime you do have the ball, you're kind of constantly on on edge because as soon as we get turned over here, they're going to spring. Your goalkeeper has to have. I think a goal, a team to beat them, their goal is going to have to have a fantastic day of being able to vary his puck outs, you know, into the half back line, midfield and half forward line and keep changing them to keep them moving. Like, because if you consistently go along, they send their half forwards back. And as I said to you before, they break. So they'll win it back, they'll hand pass, they'll move it and they'll go. So any team that has to go, your puck out system has to be varied and accurate. Um, you know, because if you do go to the cornerback, they hound you down inside there. And look, they're not unbeatable. I'm not building that up for a second and clear all my show last year. Um, but I think you have to be able to be dominant in your half hour line and that's maybe by getting three Johnny Glynns back from New York um, <laughs> and planting them on the 45 or you have to have a variation of puck outs that's going to get them moving um, but like you know again me sitting here on the phone to you like you said about the fellas in the bar stool it's very easy to discuss this it's very easy to look at it in the tactics board and in the media room but it's very difficult to do under pressure in Pro Park I do think it helps to for people listening to this though, watching over the next while watching how teams are desperately trying to come up with something mm. when they go up against them to counteract that and then as you say they they have the athletes who are 6'4", 6'5", and who are capable of, of um, doing what Grod Hegarty did in the first 10 minutes of the All-Ireland Final a couple of years in a row now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. 
it's um, it is a phenomenal collection of players, and we should absolutely enjoy them. But I think the other thing to enjoy this year is that it feels like teams are getting better. You know, as 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 the Dublin era went on, teams got closer and were able to take nibbles off them as they went. So they were never quite uh, able to just swashbuckle their way through. We, we've seen Limerick do their swashbuckling all Ireland. Um, and it d- did feel like last season, both Clare and Kilkenny were getting a bit closer. And so we should be looking for everybody to get a bit closer this year. Yeah, like it's... It, See, going back to our point there earlier on, like, you know, what can you do to beat Limerick? I'm sure if you get a game plan that can beat Limerick, you have a game plan that's going to beat everybody, you know what I mean? Because they are the benchmark at the moment. So, I'm just, like, your earlier point, do teams look at themselves? Of course, you have to look at yourself. Like, I'm sure Watford will bring something different on the day if he beat the sweeper system again and breaking again, or what they'll decide to do. Like, I even noticed against the underdogs, the very first game they played a sweeper, like, you know, like, as if the underdogs didn't need enough of, of hope, like, going out facing seven backs. Um, but, like, it, it's a case of if you get your game plan right, against the likes of Limerick sure then you should be hopeful of beating everybody else so there are teams coming like I guarantee you Tipperary will be a better force than they were last year Liam Cattle has got all the kids that he had when they won the under 21 all Ireland. they're back in under him as well and I know to speaking to one or two of them that they have huge time for him so there's going to be a lot of competitive hurling this year which is all we want really like you know and a competitive championship with the round robins uh, going you know each team going at it so look I, I think it's a positive year I think last year showed absolutely that like the Munster final was one of the best games we've ever seen um, and, and more of it hopefully this year 100% Anthony great to have you with us this week thanks a million cheers thanks a million thanks